Good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. Oh, you're still awake. <laughs> We're in good shape. We're off to a good start. I have to begin this morning with just a little bit of an apology. If you were here 22 years ago in the spring of 1999 and you heard the message that I'm going to preach before you are not imagining things, I did preach it. It was one of the first messages that I preached when I came to this church and I thought that since this was going to be the last one, it was valuable enough then, it's even of more value today. So we're going to be taking a look at that. Uh, but in 1975, I was newly married. My daily ride to work for my summer job in between my uh, junior and senior year in, in uh, college uh, took me past the beautiful campus of Widener University in Chester, Pennsylvania. A lot of stately buildings, brick and um, early colonial. It was a great uh, time. And usually unremarkable, I just buzzed through the campus and nothing ever happened. But on this one particular day, uh, I had no clue what was going on, but I noticed that there was a number of helicopters flying overhead, and I said, well, maybe somebody escaped from the local jail. They're out looking for them. Who knows? But as I pulled up past the athletic complex on the campus, all of a sudden a security guard steps out in front of my car and holds his hand up and asks me to stop. This bus pulls up, and uh, it's got big green on it and the Eagles logo on it, and the offensive line for summer training camp got out of the bus and started to walk over to the football field. And I remember two things about this as it had become the summer training camp for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I was in a Volkswagen Beetle and I remember these guys were so big and so tall in their cleats and their helmets and everything else, I stuck my head out of the window and looked up at them. And I remember that. And then as I watched them walk over to the football field, I noticed something else very distinctly. The whole um, fence that was around the football field, there were kids just clinging to it with their hands, holding on tightly to the fence, looking at everything that was going on in between. And um, there was a big green helicopter that came in, and I assumed it was the coach or somebody flying in from somewhere, somehow, some way. But as the years went on, I wondered if the curiosity of those kids ever led any of them to not just say, hey, I'm looking at somebody important, or I'm looking at somebody famous, or I'm looking at somebody that I'd like to be like, but actually said, I'd like to be able to do what they're doing right now to get someplace better in the area of football. And um, I am sure that most of them never did anything other than gaze at those famous people that were walking across the street and going down into the football stadium and looking at it different. And when we look at famous people, very few of us ever say, I want to be like that person. But this morning, we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture where people are getting a chance to look at, at the training session going on between the Apostle Paul and one of his primary um, students, Timothy, in his pastoral epistles in 1 Timothy. And in that letter, he's going to tell us something very specific. I want you to listen to this in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8 have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And at the heart of this passage is a command coming from Paul to his student Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Now, um, it's been interesting, Pastor Cale has been throwing around some Greek words lately, some that he doesn't want to pronounce, and some of them that I went and looked up and pronounced in the privacy of my um, study, but I won't give them to you either. But I'm going to give you this Greek word. 
The word that's used here to train yourself for godliness, or in some um, passages it's translated exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. It's the Greek word gymnazo that we get our word gymnasium from. And it had to do with a place where people went to exercise, to train for the Olympic Games of their day, for the races and the things that they did in their time. And what Paul is saying, as he often does, in drawing from the realm of the um, physical exercise, he said, you need to exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. You need to make some decisions about what you want to do. And the thing that's interesting about this challenge is, is that it's not always an easy thing to do. Um, I love the um, commercial that comes on at the end of many of the college football playoffs, that these people will go on to be professionals in fields other than sports. And the reality is, is very few people make it to the, be the cream of the crop and into the Major League Baseball or into the National Football League or into the National Hockey League. It is tough to do, and it's even tougher to win the championship. But if any of them do want to get there, they're going to have to exercise and they're going to have to train to do it. And so this is the bottom line of my challenge to you this morning, is are you willing to train yourself for the purpose of godliness? Are you willing to exercise for godliness. And I just want you to understand that it's not an easy thing to do. Um, the way that this comes home to me frequently is, is I go to my doctor for my annual physical, and there's been a number of years that the doctor has said to me, you know, you need to get your blood pressure down, and here's the way you can do it. You need to exercise, and I've never had a lot of problem with that. I discipline myself in the area of exercise, um, but she said, you got to change your diet. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. And uh, it really takes some discipline to change your diet, especially when um, in our household, we just like ice cream. Uh, we like other things that aren't good for you. Um, it's just, but they want me to cut out red meat. They want me to, I was so glad that when I had one physical problem, they told me not to eat kale. And I said, yes, I can do this. Um, but. I want to walk through four things from this passage of Scripture that will just maybe help you to get started in this area of training yourself for godliness. How do you exercise yourself for the purpose of the things that God wants us to do? The first thing is, is that you need to have nothing to do with lies. And you think, wow, what does that have to do with training? It has a lot to do with training. In the context of this passage of Scripture, Paul had said, Timothy, I want you to stay behind in Ephesus and instruct certain men not to teach certain things. Because the reality is, is that the world is full of lies. Everything that we hear is not true. And I've often told you through the course of my ministry that for the believer, his life needs to be a relentless pursuit of truth. And we find that truth in the Word of God. You're not going to find it in the news media. You're not going to find it in our academics. You're not going to find it with the politicians. You're certainly not going to find it in Hollywood. But we need to have a relentless pursuit of the truth. And if you're going to be someone that's training yourself for the purpose of godliness, you've got to figure out what's true and what's not true. Through the years, I've been involved in endurance sports, whether it be kayaking, canoeing, or um, running, or um, bicycle. Uh, no matter what you do, I've heard all kinds of things about how you can get in better shape. And you always have to weed out those things that have nothing to do with getting you where you're going to go, and you have to not follow lies. But listen to this about the church, because when it comes to the pursuit of godliness and the understanding of lies, Paul says to Timothy, the Spirit expressly says 
that in later times some will depart from the faith. So you hear these stories about high-profile people, whether it be in Christian music or in the pulpits of America or around the world, people that have fallen from their faith. The Spirit expressly has told us that it's going to happen, that in latter times some people will depart the faith and it's going to be by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Uh, I am not a big one for conspiracy theories. I'm not a, a big one for pressing um, for things that just sound a little bit crazy, but this much I believe, that there is a conspiracy in the heavenly realms to destroy the things of God, and the scriptures have given us glimpses into how that's going to take place, and that many people are following the teachings of demons. I think that the things that we're trying to understand right now that are coming into our academics that have to do with everything from morality and ethics and sexuality, it's the teaching of demons trying to destroy us and trying to take us far from where God wants us to go. But it's through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. And it's amazing how people have the ability to teach with the greatest earnestness and sincerity anything. And they'll even die for it. So be careful about why you say Christianity is true. When you say, I'm willing to die for my Lord Jesus Christ, that's not why it's true. It's true because it's made true by the revelation of the one true God in the heavenlies that revealed himself in his scripture. It's not by any act of your will or anything that you're willing to do. That is only an example of your faith in the things that are there. It doesn't make something true or not true. But these people will follow deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons and through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, they'll forbid marriage, require abstinence from foods that God created. And one of the biggest ways that it manifested itself in the New Testament times was in the reteaching of the Jewish law and the following of the things of God in the Old Testament that we were set free from the celebrating of Sabbath days and the celebrating of special holidays as if they had any more value than any other day. But know this, that there will be people that will be trying to spread lies and tell you this is the way to get to godliness. And please don't ever veer from the word of God. Don't veer from a community of believers that gather together and say that together we believe in the word of God and we're going to hold each other accountable to the word of God. And So we need to be careful if we're going to train ourselves for the purpose of godliness, what is it that you're going to do? Are you going to find a lot of laws and rules made up by men or are you going to follow those rules and those laws made up by your God have nothing to do with lies. The second thing is, is that you've got to put every effort into your pursuit. And I love the way that it puts it in here, not only to train yourself for the purpose of godliness, but Paul says to Timothy in verse 10, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And so there's two parts of this effort that's to be put into godliness is one, you're to make every effort, you're to toil and strive, and two, you're to make sure that other people notice that there's something different about you and that there's a change going on in your life and that other people can see that you once you were here, but now you're up here. Uh, we are constantly criticizing the lives of other people, making judgment calls about where they are, but how about you? Where are you in your training for godliness? How is your prayer life? How is your devotional life? How is your life in knowing and understanding the Word of God? How is your life in serving the church of Jesus Christ? 
Could it be said of you that you labor, toil, and strive? Or is it just a casual pursuit? Is it just something that it's okay with you? Um, if you do a little bit of it this week, or if I pull a little bit off the shelf and dose my life with it, or do you immerse yourself in it, and it is it everything that you do? A number of years ago, when I was involved with kayak racing, I heard that there was a um, former coach of the British Olympic team that had moved here to the United States and was living on Long Island. And I went to him and I asked him if he would do any training. And he had a couple of words for me through the course of the process, but the first thing is, how much are you willing to pay? And uh, I paid a number of monies for a couple of tr training sessions. It was one of the most valuable things that I ever did. He took my stroke apart from the very part where you reach out and plant the um, paddle into the water to the pull, to the release, to the energy that was spent there. He said, you're grinding your teeth while you paddle. You've got to quit wasting energy up here and put it all into your body and your arms. He talked about all the things that were there. And then when it was all over and he had taken it apart and had put my stroke back together, he said, now, how much are you willing to hurt? If you want to really win, how much are you willing to do this? And that year, I took all that this guy had done and taught me, and I went and for the first time in my life in a race, I finished first. And it all had to do with the fact that I took the time to train, took the time to learn, took the time to find out these things. And so when it comes to the Christian life, are you willing to do these things for God? Are you willing to do these things? We keep saying, years ago, I had confronted somebody in my church, and I, I said, look, my prayer life's a mess. I knew that he was a man of prayer. He was one of the deacons in the church that I grew up in. I said, would you teach me to pray? Well, he says, well, it's not as hard as you think. The first thing is you just do it. Well, then I asked him a few more questions, and it was to my ill that I found out that he was praying almost three hours a day. I said, boy, I don't have time for that. But when it comes to the spiritual disciplines and when it comes to the things in your life that you're supposed to be doing for God, um, is it a casual pursuit or is it something that you're using toiling and moving to it and exercising for the purpose of godliness. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. I'm amazing that how many people have given up on their prayer lives because they've been so discouraged by the fact that their minds are distracted. And rather than disciplining themselves and saying, how do I get rid of the distractions? They get rid of the prayer and they just don't pray. And God has asked us that when it comes to the things in our Christian life, that we exercise ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And we need to make every effort. Listen to these words in Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Have you presented your body to him? I love worship. I've been leading worship in the churches for years, and I love music. And it takes me to places in the kingdom of God that I just love to go. But what God wants from you is, is not the songs to shake the rafters of the heavens. And I remember one time I was at a Promise Keepers event many years ago. We were in the Carrier Dome in uh, Syracuse, New York. And there were 30,000 men singing to God be the glory. And you could feel the, the concrete vibrating under your feet. And I said, this is worship. But no, this was only the beginning of worship. Worship is, are you presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice to God? There's not a lot of wiggle room here. There's not a lot of room for complacency and for casualness, but there's room for passion and dedication 
and effort to be put into your Christian life. You see, we were designed for this. God told us from the very beginning of time that mankind was a special creation. And so we find in the book of um, Genesis that we studied uh, in one of Pastor Caleb's messages that God created the heavens and the earth and then he created the animals. But when it came to man, he formed him from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. There was an intimacy there that was born in the very beginning of creation. But then we find one of the most profound truths about God's intimacy with us when Adam and Eve had sinned and we find that God used to come walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the garden. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of the fellowship of man and God. And that's what it was to be all about was God working with you and the way he created you to live for him and to work for him and to toil for him. Present your body as a living sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you, the writer of Hebrews uses the analogy of the race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was interesting last week when Pastor Caleb was talking about the fact that he was on the basketball team and they made an agreement that there were certain things they just wouldn't do. And uh, I, I was hoping that no matter what sport that I got involved in that I wouldn't have to quit eating potato chip. But you got to give up stuff that hinders your training. You got to give up stuff that hinders your ability to do the race. And the scriptures tell us that you got to get rid of the sin that entangles you when you're running the race of life when you're doing the Christian life. And so many of us, our Christian lives are not what they are because we haven't taken the time to confess our sin. We haven't taken the time to flee from the sin. We've talked a lot about repentance and the part that it plays in the Christian life over the last um, couple of months of messages. We need to learn to repent of sin, to turn away from it and to go a different direction. Uh, when I've counseled people through the years and we've talked about how to turn away from sin, that's one of the times that people have had the greatest struggle with me, saying, what, you want me to give up this? You want me to give up that? There are some people that are plagued with the issue of pornography on the internet, and they won't even give up their computer. There are others that are plagued with other temptations and things that are there. They won't give it all up. They can't take the cell phone out of their hand. What am I going to do? And God has said we need to give these things up. In Proverbs 22.5, it says, thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked, whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. And we need to realize that there's things we need to get rid of in our lives. It doesn't matter if it's Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, passages about the Christian life. It uses the image of taking off dirty clothing and putting on the clean clothing of Christian character. 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about some of the positive things of training. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Your training needs to be a way of life. It needs to be something that occupies every breath. And that is one of the beautiful things about the Christian life is, is God is worthy of your attention in the morning when you wake up. He, he's worthy of your final words at the end of the day. He's worthy of every breath that you take. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
And so not only are we to put every effort into this training, but we're to command and teach the things of God. And I have always appreciated those people that know what they're doing in life and are willing to share it with others. Um, when I first got a job in a large industrial um, plant, uh, I noticed two different kinds of people that I ran into. There were some that were just waiting for you to make the same mistakes that they made when they were younger, and they just couldn't wait to have a laugh with you and to stumble and fall with you and to just let you. But there were others that would pull you aside and said, look, when you're at the end of this machine, you've got to be really careful because this, this, and this could happen. And in the Christian life, we're supposed to not get to the place where we look at other people and say, you know, when you fall, I'll help pick you up and we'll go from there. But we need to command and teach the things of God so that others can get off of the way of sin and onto the way of godliness and the beauty that comes with it, the, the thrill that comes with it. Um, command and teach these things, Paul says to Timothy. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And if you need to share anything, you need to share the things of the Word of God. And I believe firmly that we miss too many opportunities in life where we haven't told people how they can avoid the trappings of sin and the pitfalls of this life, where we haven't told them the beauty of what it means to conduct ourselves in love and faith and purity and the joy that comes from that. Kathy and I are going to celebrate um, 47 years of marriage this summer. And people often come to us and say, how do you do it? Uh, I got to tell you this much, unless you do it, you will never know the joy of holding in your arms somebody that you've loved this long so well. It is just awesome. There's no other way around it. But it took two of us dedicated to the things of God, two of us that were serving not only our Lord but one another, be able to make that happen. And it is great when there is a community of believers that come together and understand the beauty of this walk of faith and love and purity. And Paul says you need to devote yourself to this public reading of Scripture. Devote yourself to exhortation. Devote yourself to teaching. And we need to be able to share the things of God with others. Uh, one time I was getting ready to do a uh, uh, canoe race and we always scouted the river before we did it because it changed at different times and different years and there were very difficult places to go through. And so <clears throat> my partner and I had just gone through one of the very challenging parts of the river and pulled our boat out and we were on our way back and we pulled off on the river bank in order to take a look at where we had just gone through to see if we needed to make any changes or anything like that. And there on the bank of the river was uh, American gold medalist Greg Barton, who was going to be paddling in the race the next day. And um, as I got all tongue-tied and everything like that, he came over to me and he said, were you the guys that just went through there? I said, yeah. He said, well, can you give me any hints as to what to do? And I'm there. He wants to hear from me. But that's the beauty of knowing something and being able to share it with somebody else, experiencing something and be able to tell it to somebody else. Command and teach the things of the Word of God. Don't let your mind stray from it. Parents, you're to teach these things in your home to your kids. You're to labor over this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it is our call to teach these things to our children. And then finally, we're to keep a close watch on your life and your beliefs. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. 
Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. When you become a pro athlete, they sign contracts that say you can't do this, 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 and this. And I've looked at some of them and I've said to myself, my goodness, can't go skiing, I love skiing. Can't do this. And you say, why do they do that? Well, um, if I, it's my understanding is correct, the coach of the Yankees, his career was cut short because of something he was supposed to be not be doing that he did, and an injury shortened his career. And we need to be able to watch our life closely and the things that we teach closely so that we're teaching the things of God, so that we're doing the things of God, and so that we don't stray from the things that God wants us to stray. In Hebrews chapter 2, it puts it this way, therefore we must pay close attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It is a privilege to be a part of what God is doing on this earth. It's a privilege to be a part of His church. It's a privilege to be a part of His family. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Be careful of the things that you say. I'm amazed at how careless people are when they share things that they've read in Scripture without ever really studying it and thinking about what it really means. That's how all these things get spread around in the church that we have all these disagreements with. But keep a close watch on your life and beliefs. So are you willing to join with me and do some exercise, or is this going to be like a trip to the doctor where they say, yeah, 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 I'll be all right? I hope that you'll choose to do something different this week that you haven't been doing. That maybe you've been following some lies and you've been letting some sin creep into your life and you need to just say, Lord, i got to get back into your word and find out what the truth is. There might be others among you that have just been too complacent about your Christian life and you've got to say, Lord, my prayer life's a wreck. I need to just pray. I need to get back on the, putting effort into what I'm doing and pursue you. I love that theme verse, Jeremiah 29, 13, I believe it was, from VBS. Um, you will seek the Lord and find Him if you seek Him with all your heart. And what a powerful promise that was to the people of Israel that had strayed so far from their God. And God says, seek and find. Ask, and the door will be opened. Knock. You've got to go after Him. He's seeking you. I love that painting on the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Adam's just laying, laying back, just oblivious to the, to the needs of his heart and the things of life. And here's God straining forward in all of his might and power to reach out and touch mankind. That's the salvation of God. It is all God reaching out to us, but God says, put every effort into your pursuit. Command and teach these things. You've got to share it with others. Don't wait till they stumble and fall. Teach others the truth of God and keep a close watch on your life and beliefs so that you do not stray and you do not fall away. Let's pray. Father, I ask your blessing upon Gateway Church this morning. Father, I pray that we would be a group of people that it could be said when the year is over that we look more like your son Jesus Christ than we ever have before because we put every effort into our pursuit of godliness. I pray, Father, that we would realize that it is the path to peace. It's the path to joy. It's the path to the healing of the nations if we would live our lives for you and to speak your truth to others. I ask, Father, that this would be a joint effort. It's fun to be a part of the team. And I pray that your blessing would be on Gateway Church in this pursuit this morning.
Help us to see it through to the end. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.